Hello everyone, uh, my name is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Our guest is Steve Feld, and Steve is a an award-winning certified business coach, author, professional speaker, and book publisher, and he helps firms uncover 50K to over 100K in revenue uh, in 45 minutes uh, without the need to spend more on marketing or advertising. Uh, now, it sounds hard to believe, but it's absolutely 100% true. And he specializes in helping business owners triple their leads, double their income, and create a sustainably profitable business with proven systems and processes along with an, uh, an e-learning academy. Uh, Steve has over 30 years of extensive <coughs> senior level experience in competitive industries. Uh, so we're very fortunate to have Steve here as a guest. Uh, he's a very busy man, so he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. So we we're very fortunate and blessed. I guess to start off, uh, thank you, Steve, for coming on as a guest. And can you uh, talk to us about your background? and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today. Yes, thanks. I've owned and operated six different businesses and ran three others. So my very, very first business, officially, was writing business plans for people in the tech industry. At the time, it was all about hardware, not about software. Next thing I know, it turned into marketing plans and operational plans, and then these my clients said, well, I need to get venture capital money. So I started coaching them how to speak English and business and not tech. Because at that time, all the VCs, the venture capitalists, were all business people. So I started coaching them on how to use business language, which are numbers, and really get to the heart of it to get that funding. Well, everything was going great, and I think we all know what happened to the tech bubble. So it first, along with my business, because all my clients were in it, I learned a valuable lesson, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And then I started branching out from there and started doing process improvement, change management for companies. Companies started calling me the business interior designer. I go into a business, strip it down to its studs, rebuild it on the inside, and then work on the outside. So I've been working with business owners for quite a long time. I am super passionate about seeing small business owners survive and thrive. That's where my real passion is because small business owners make up 97% of all the businesses in the U.S. and without them, they're part of our community. They're the ones who are giving back. They're the ones who are part of the tax base. Then when you're buying something from a small business owner, you're supporting a family. You're supporting employees. You're supporting your community. You're not supporting a CEO a nameless CEO on their fifth vacation home. So <laughs> I love the small business. Wow. That's amazing. And thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your incredible story. And so you worked in tech originally, and then you, um, you tried to get the folks in tech uh, to kind of change the way they spoke so they could present themselves to, to VC, yeah. venture capital folks, so to speak. I... And I'm not a techie, so even when they were speaking to me, I didn't understand half of what they were saying. <laughs> like, I speak business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. And so, you know, it's interesting, you talked about not putting all your eggs in one basket and how 
you um, you said you learned a valuable lesson when the when the tech bubble burst. Uh, that's amazing because I uh, I spoke with uh, uh, you know I interviewed a, another gentleman. Uh, he was like a serial entrepreneur. He told me that there's no such thing as failure, just learning experiences. Uh, I totally believe that to be true. And yeah. Uh, you spoke about learning that valuable lesson, and, and apparently this is not uncommon for many people in business to have failures or setbacks. Um, you see this all the time. Uh, you should definitely hear about the story of the guy who founded Domino's Pizza. A very <laughs> a crazy story. Um, you know, he filed for bankruptcy apparently more than once, and <laughs> he. But we we all know what Domino's Pizza is today. It's a household name, so. Um, <laughs> there, there's something to that, um, you know, uh, when it comes to failure, being learning experiences, and not all too uncommon. You, you, so you spoke about how your people have called you the business interior designer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been called a lot of things. Okay, <laughs> that one was very unique because people started, companies started bringing me in to do change management process improvement, and. That's when I had a consulting business, so I'd go in there, and it would be like, maybe they just had the wrong people in the wrong position, but they also didn't have any internal systems and processes in place, and I kept seeing that as a reoccurring theme, mm. and they had no vision and no mission, and it was like, so you have all 100 employees running 100 different ways, mm. none of it's focused, so let's focus that energy and come up with a common theme. If it doesn't fit your business model, don't do it, mm. period. That's outside your world. It's outside your lane. And then we got them on the right path. And then they they were very clear in where their goals were and where they wanted the business to be. And it really took off then. But it was kind of like a re-engineering on the inside. And wow. the outside, the clients didn't see it until it was after it was all done. Wow. That's amazing. You spoke about how you, you break a business down to its studs, if I heard you correctly. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a home remodeling analogy because I work with home remodelers. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's, yeah, you're keeping your business structure intact. It's still the owner who's running the show. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of just, sometimes the business grows naturally and the owner is just going from sale to sale and doesn't realize they need to put systems and processes in for future growth and mm -hmm. for longevity. Because at a certain point, the owner can't do everything. Mm. It's just physically impossible. Mm. And when I hear business owners say, well, I don't have enough time for this. It's like, no, you just need to learn how to delegate and get some focus to see if everything, all your activities are actually helping the business or hurting the business. Wow. And um, and I could feel the passion that you have for uh, small businesses when you spoke about oh, yeah. how they make up 97% of the economy. And... When you support a small business, you're supporting a family. Um, I can, you know, I totally understand that. You're not supporting some nameless, faceless CEO who's probably a billionaire already. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, the idea of supporting a family um, obviously moves people more, I'd say, than supporting a billionaire CEO. And um, when you put it in that kind of terms and perspective, it, it does make you kind of think. Um, about you know how you know how to spend your dollar and what to do with it. Uh, you know it's interesting when we talk about businesses. We oftentimes think about Apple and Google and all these Fortune 500 firms. 
uh, or Dow Jones companies. But when it gets down to it, um, you know, when you're saying 97%, you know, you're talking about the barbershop down the street or the uh, tattoo parlor uh, and beauty salon and whatnot. You, that's what a typical business is, right? Your local business is the one supporting your the little league team, supporting the high school sports, supporting the high school activities. They're supporting those kind of things over a corporation who just throws money. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're invested. It's like, yeah, they're, chances are the business owner. I mean, at one time I had a banner in the high school for one of my businesses. I attended the game. Why? I want to hear my name on there. Plus, it's like, listen, I'm part of that community. Right. I'm there to help and answer questions and do whatever I can to support the members in that community. Mm. Wow. It's interesting. And and also, um, you know, there is a sense of pride when it comes to that, being a supporter of your community. And and, and the money you spend in, in, uh, in the businesses in your community, it tends to... As they say, with money, it tends to recycle. If that, if you, know, you know what I mean, it uh, turns over a couple times, and yeah, and so it does really help, of course. Um, so I'm, I'm curious now. Obviously, you've been helping out a lot of small businesses because that's where your heart is. That's your true yeah. calling, and you obviously get them a lot of amazing results. Um, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, we all got hit with a sucker punch. You know what? What <laughs> the <laughs> pandemic? <laughs> uh, could you describe the current state of affairs with business and entrepreneurialism? What challenges has the pandemic posed, if any? Yeah, I think when it first hit, I mean, we were getting slammed pretty hard, and I put business owners in three categories: the ostriches. They all put their heads in their sand and thought, "Hey, it's only going to blow over. It's going to be gone here in a couple months." Unfortunately, those businesses are all gone, and those people are bankrupt, it's sad to say. And then you had the next group that kind of listened to everything that was thrown out there, tried to suck up all this information and tried to do a million things at once, running around like a chicken with their head cut off with no focus. They're still around. They're still struggling, though. And then you had the other group, the other third. They're the ones who actually sought help specific help and mm. took action and pivoted, shifted, whatever you want to call it. Those are the businesses that are actually doing very, very well right now. Mm. Wow. I, mean, I even had restaurants. Uh, a friend of mine owns a restaurant, and they, of course, got shut down immediately, and they called me up freaking out. And I first had to calm them down, and it's like, let's look at all your other assets that you have in your business. They had a huge social media following, so we actually tapped into that. They would they actually grew during the pandemic, and they didn't have a single diner in the dining room. <laughs> they hired more people. They grew. They had their best year ever, and they still had no one in the dining room. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so businesses have to always realize, everyone calls it a new normal, but you don't realize business is always in change. It's always in flux. Hmm. It just changes and gets to a different level, and we get used to that level, then it changes again, then we get used to that level, and it's constantly doing that. Mm. So this was just a massive change, just like the real estate boom, the tech boom, stock market crashes, all these kind of things. Those are just major hits at once. Mm. But if you're prepared and you have 
processes and systems in place and you're ready for these kind of things, you can't guess everything. Mm. But at least be prepared. Your business is going to survive and thrive. Wow, that's amazing. And I think that's great advice. You know, they say life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond. That's it. <laughs> um, and, you know, some restaurants, it's interesting how a restaurant was faced with the same kind of calamity, the pandemic, but one had their best uh, best year ever, and <laughs> and another perhaps would shut their doors. Um, same same thing, same, uh, you know, change different reaction, so to speak. Um, I know another restaurant or better service, better quality of food right near that restaurant. And they just shut down and hope the best. Let's wait it out. And they're gone. Wow. That's, a, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, when life gives you lemon, you got to make lemonade. You know, you adapt, you pivot. Um, and... You know, when the wind changes, you you adjust your sails. So, you know, it's all about how you respond. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, you, you want to shift and you want to adapt. And it goes, obviously, like you mentioned, it goes beyond the pandemic. There's always going to be states of change and whatnot. And firms have to understand that. You know, we've seen successful firms go belly up because they didn't understand the change that was out there. You know, you see companies like uh, Kodak, <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, they refused to change. Yeah. You know, they were, yeah, you're right. Because they stayed at one level, they didn't want to change. And, you know, some young people who are listening to this, they may, they don't know what Blockbuster and Kodak is. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. I hate to say, Blockbuster was that evil giant that we love to hate. Yeah. And we all were there Friday nights renting videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. And Kodak used to be a Dow Jones firm, uh, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's been delisted from the Dow Jones a long time ago. Um, but uh, it's it's curious how you know how that happens. You know, a Dow Jones firm. You know, just no one even knows about it anymore. Very odd. Very weird how that happens. But this is common among businesses and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think there is a uh, lesson to be learned from this, obviously, uh, with this uh, uh, pandemic and whatnot. And, of course, you mentioned the new normal. Um, you know, the normal's always changing and whatnot. Um, so, uh, I guess to, to clarify on that point, um, obviously there'll be a world where the pandemic goes away, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, with the ramped up, you know, distribution of vaccines. Where do you see things going in the future, and where do you see yourself in that future? I think, you know, with a lot of new businesses, because during all downturns, even for the last 75 years, during all the downturns in our economy, that actually sparked the most entrepreneurial growth ever, because people lost their JOBs and decided, you know what, I'm going to build a better widget and open up their own shop. So the entrepreneurial spirit comes alive, but a lot of these people are what I call jumping the cubicle. They work for a corporation, they've never owned or operated a business, they only know what they know in that business, and then they open up their own business and they don't realize, oh, what's a license? Wait, what is all these regulations? What is accounting? What's marketing? So they need help, because they only know what they know. Granted, they might be able to build a better widget, but they just don't know business. So I think in the future, a lot of these business owners that open up shops 
and turn their hobby into a business or maybe still a hobbyist, which means you're not making any money, mm-hmm. they're going to need a lot of help on the business side and how to build their business. And that's where we're at. We're here to help. Wonderful. And so I guess as a business coach, you're very well positioned for the wave that's coming, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> we try our best. You know, we're going to help those who want to help. I don't, I believe, fully believe that I'm not going to force anyone into it because either you want the help and we have the tools, the resources, and all these, all this knowledge from multiple industries that we can share and give you and, and share our resources with you to utilize in your business. Or you can do it like almost every single business owner does. Struggle and try to figure out themselves and think you're so unique. You're not. You're the same as the next business guy. You have the same struggle. Hmm. Maybe at different levels and different industries, but guess what? Business is business. Definitely. Um, and um, But getting back to your earlier point about how businesses tend to grow during these tough times. You know, during the Great Depression, they say a lot of great firms started. So Yeah. Something Some to of the that. best companies we know that are on the Dow started in the Depression. DuPont. There's a great one. IBM. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, essentially, there's going to be an entrepreneurial explosion happening. Um, yeah. And so, obviously, firms, uh, you know, if they can get a great business coach like yourself, uh, that would help them out tremendously. But here's the thing. What would you say to someone... Uh, and you mentioned this a little bit, who, who views a business coach as unnecessary, kind of rolls their eyes and is cynical and skeptical about it. And, and look, and why would I pay someone, you know, they would say, why would I pay someone money to kind of give me suggestions? Why can't I just read a book or do this on my own? What would you say to them? You know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said that, I would have, I'd own the tropical island right next to Richard Branson. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, you got to think, yeah, you could read a book. Great, but are you going to implement that material? Odds are we as humans will not. You need someone who also has other knowledge. Having owned and operated six different businesses, believe me, I definitely know what a business owner is going through. I know what it feels like to not sleep at night worrying about how I'm going to make payroll in two days and sweating for two days and not eating. Just think how I'm going to do that. So I know what they're going through. If you have someone like that on your team who knows that, but they also have all these other tools and resources that you don't have and don't have the knowledge to, and they're providing it for you and helping you in your business and keeping you accountable to your goals, that's where the coach is. That's where they're going to help you grow. Because you got to think, you're only gaining your knowledge in your industry, in your business, where the coach... We are dealing across multiple industries at different levels, and we have to gain knowledge in multiple areas of business strategy. So we are constantly educating ourselves to, sh- to share that knowledge with, so that way the business owner can focus on their business. But we're doing a lot of the grunt work and the heavy work lifting on the backside to help you. Wow. And, and thank you for that incredible answer. And it's too bad that so many people have that, that attitude. Um, because I think if, you know, if more people understood the value of coaching, we wouldn't see this high failure rate with businesses. I, I think it'd be, you know, one of the ways to turn that around. Um, you know, it's interesting how you talked about accountability and 
you know, no one can hold you accountable like a human being can. You know, a book can't. Uh, you know, a magazine article, blog, social media post, um, <laughs> website can't do that. A living, breathing human being can, can hold you much more accountable than those entities, I would think. And so I think there is something to that when it comes to accountability. And, you know, a lot of people read books and don't implement it. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, I interviewed one guest who, who gave me the phrase um, shelf help. I don't know if you heard of shelf help. Uh, uh, it's like you, you read a bunch of books and, you, you know, you, you get tied down reading books and not really acting or implementing. <laughs> you know what I mean? oh, yeah. So he called it shelf help, um, you know, like a bookshelf. And it's interesting. Um, because having a good coach could be a good investment because I, I, uh, I spoke with one per guest who talked about having a coach who shaved years off her learning curve. Literally mm -hmm. years, right? Oh, yeah. By having someone accountable with you, mm -hmm. we're going to reduce your frustrations and your headaches. Instead of you trying to figure it out all on your own, we got, we're going to get you clarity and focus as well. So you're going to move your business a lot faster than without someone. I mean, I have a coach. I have actually two coaches. They do different things in my, for me and my business. I brought a coach in years ago into another business I had that I just knew I needed a little help on it. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Mm. I brought a coach in, and my business turned around within, I think, 45 days. Just a total 180. Mm. And it was off to the races. Wow. So I mean, coaching. I, I brought it in, and I had to, you know, I could do it all myself. I know everything about business. No, I don't. <laughs> so that's why I brought a coach in, and then I really realized what I didn't know. Wow. So that coach kind of helped to, to show you what you didn't know, and that's amazing. And you obviously practice what you preach. Uh, you have coaches yourself uh, for yeah. your businesses. Even though you're a business coach yourself, you still have those coaches, right? Yeah. And I mean, look at Michael Jordan, probably the greatest basketball player. I'll, I'll even argue that one. <laughs> but he, he had 12 coaches. He's the greatest basketball player ever, and he has 12 coaches. Mm. Why? He said it in an interview, multiple interviews, I can only see what I see. They see things in me I cannot see. I need that mm. better. Wow. That's amazing. Because the coach gives you that outsider. Yeah. Master the sport. And here he is listening to Phil Jackson, listening to every word Phil says. Right. Because Phil sees something that Michael can't see. Hmm. I like that a lot. And I think that's incredible. You know, and, uh, you know, obviously coaches give you that lens, that, that look. Um, because they're from yeah. coming at it from an objective angle or a different angle or from the outside angle that a person who's, let's say, well within a firm or, you know, maybe can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we don't have the emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I've, I've had the emotional attachment. I know what it feels like. So, but when I'm working with someone else, it's like, okay, you got to breathe. Who tells a business owner to just take a step back and breathe for just a second? Mm -hmm. No one. Mm. Absolutely. And we need that. Right. Right. And it's interesting because you can, as a coach, you can tell a business owner the truth because oftentimes an entrepreneur is surrounded by yes men and yes women employees that rely, you know. <laughs> that, that's it. We're here. We're, 
the advocate on the business owner side. Yes, we might give you some tough love, but we're here in your best interest. I'm not here to, you know, take a piece of your business. I'm not here to tell you how to run your business. That's you. I'm here to help you grow your business the way you want it to grow. And I'm on your team, but let's get some focus and some clarity have a target to shoot at, and let's go there together. Mm. Wonderful. And... You know, and I think that's great. And coaches can give you a customized, tailored, uh, you know, suggestions that a book cannot. The books, obviously, are general, but no two businesses are exactly the same. And a coach can give more of a, you know, uh, customized uh, program or solution. So I think coaches are beneficial in that regard. And plus, we each have our own learning style, our own communication style. The focus is telling you, like, words to into your brain, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a coach can talk to you on the way you like to be communicated. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. So I, I love that. Um, I love that about coaching. I think everyone needs a coach. Um, not well, not just a business coach, but um, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur, a life coach. I think coaching, I think, is so important, and more and more people should realize that. I think are are realizing that more and more people every day. Um, so many people are actually going into the coaching field. Yeah, now obviously there's a low barrier of entry, so you don't have to take a test or get a license <laughs> to become a coach. You can call yourself a coach tomorrow or today and say, hey, you know, and I'm a coach, everyone. Uh, so I guess that brings me to my next question. Um, yeah, I was reading articles about how the business coaching profession might double um, pretty soon, and so many people are going into it. Um, I'm curious, what makes you uh, stand out as a coach? What's your competitive advantage, uh, so to speak? Yeah, you nailed that one. That's actually my, I say, my best and my worst competition are the people who I call jumping the cubicle into coaching. You know, they've never owned and operated a business, and then they hang a shingle out calling themselves the coach. They actually do more harm for someone than help because they don't have, like I have tools and resources and systems, my e-learning academy that has all these kind of things in there that they, my the clients can tap into in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. They have me. I've owned and operated six businesses, so I have a lot of experience behind it. Mm-hmm. I've coached and consulted for years, so I have a lot of material there and experience as well. I mean, one of the biggest things I have is I have some proprietary software so I can run a business through it, and it runs it through 497 million algorithms, mm-hmm. and we actually can find them all that hidden annualized revenue. Not only that, it gives us an implementation guide on how we can work to get it all. Mm-hmm. So it's like having some proven processes and systems in place where it's accessible by my clients, along with resources and knowledge and experience, I think that's from all the others and being certified I mean I got certified I think I've been certified two times and it's like hey what it means is I went through a whole bunch more courses I did a lot more working with clients and honing in my skill so I can get the best results for my clients Mm. versus someone who hangs up the shingle (laughs) wow so just to, be, um, to clarify and to recap, you, you've run six different businesses. You, you have to. Yeah. You, you've been doing this for years. You have certifications and you have tools, proven systems, 
the e-learning academy and whatnot, and these resources for entrepreneurs and whatnot. And so, yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I talk to other coaches, and they're like, "We don't have what you have." I'm like, "I know." <laughs> 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 I think did you mention the word proprietary if I um, yeah I have proprietary software where we find them the hundred thousand dollars in 45 minutes but it also does reports we can go a deep dive that has different modules in it so I can even look at their digital marketing strategy and find them hidden annualized revenue but then we it creates a report and a implementation strategy so now we can actually do certain steps and actions to get and we usually blow those numbers right out of the water. Wow. So that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really powerful stuff. And what I love about it, it gives a strategic action plan where the business owner knows exactly where we are going. Wow. Um, and that that's incredible. And um, I think that you're the first coach, coach I've spoken with who has this kind of, uh, you know, systems and, and, and whatnot in place. And tools, and you've also written a book, of course. Yeah, I'm on my fifth book is almost. I'm just waiting for the final proof to come back from the editor, and it goes right in the print. So you have five books, and sixth one is almost. It's being edited right now. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible, and <laughs> so I can everything see. to help business owners. Wow. So the latest one is about. I started realizing, speaking to business owners, they really don't like accounting. They don't understand it. They avoid it. But accounting is the language of business. And you really need to know your numbers to make educated, good managerial decisions in your business. So I wrote a book just breaking it down in simplistic terms and not using deep accounting stuff. That you don't need to be a CPA or an MBA to understand. Just focus on about six different numbers on your profit and loss statement. And you can make some great really smart decisions from that to really help your business grow. Wow. That's amazing. And there's so many business owners who don't like accounting, uh, but they they have to deal with it anyway, uh, whether they like it or not, right? And Yeah. I mean, I've met a business owner, he had stacks of boxes in his office, I'd say about 25 of them. And I... What's up with all this? And he goes, oh, those are my accounting statements from my accountant. They're all unopened statements. He just takes the envelope and throws them in these boxes. Wow. He never opened one. And the reason was he didn't understand it. And then, so we just opened up one. And I said, great, we spent a Saturday together. And we explained how it's financial. He doesn't need to know how it's created. But he needed to understand the numbers to make better finance, better decisions in his business. Yeah. We educated him on that, and then after that, his business just blew up because he made much wiser decisions on everything. Wow, that's amazing. Simple, it was like something that simple was blocking his whole business. Well, simple to me, very difficult for them because they were scared, and I get it. Right. And it's interesting how you can get results for the uh, for for business owners, particularly um, finding tens of thousands of dollars in, in hidden revenue within less than an hour. Um, I'm curious. Um, that was a great story you shared. 
Um, can you tell us uh, any other uh, moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? Yeah, I think one business owner, and I hear this from business owners all the time, they wear it like a badge of honor. I haven't taken a vacation and insert the number of years, right? And so it's greater than five. And business owners, we're proud that we're working in our business and we haven't taken a vacation, that we're dedicated, but you don't realize how negative it really is to your health, to your family, to your employees, to everything around you, You because you don't see that. And one business owner, he was very proud that he hasn't taken a vacation in 15 years. My simple question was, what does your wife think about that? And he goes, well, she's about ready to divorce me. <laughs> I'm like, over a vacation? And he goes, well, because I dedicated 15 years to this business. And I'm like, okay, great. Where does she want to go? He goes, here. I'm like, oh, great. We actually booked the vacation to Bora Bora right then and there. I had to actually dial the numbers for him because he was so scared. We booked the vacation. I said, now you have to call your wife and tell her what you just did. And he goes, but my business, and he kept coming up with a million excuses. Just call your wife. She was ecstatic. Then we told the staff they were ecstatic because they felt like he wasn't giving them the responsibility and the confidence that he could walk out of the building and it's still going to be okay. It's not going to be on fire. He had set it up so he's not allowed to get any emails or phone calls during his vacation. He's not allowed to check in. If he calls in, they're allowed to hang up on him. <laughs> no fire. He came, went on vacation, and saved his marriage. The business, actually, the, the number two person in the company started doing weekly meetings with everyone while he was gone. They continued that. And he sat back with his mouth shut. They ran the meetings. The business started growing. Then he made it mandatory. Everyone must take two vacations a year. Wow. Wow. And so it saved his marriage, saved his business, saved the employees, everything. Wow. It was just like, I know we wear it like a badge of honor, but it's actually hurting. Mm. We don't know it. Wow. That's amazing. That is an incredible story. I think it's one of the best stories I've actually heard. Um, yeah. yeah, his wife was, I was his wife's best friend after that. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could only like, that. I've been trying to do, have him do this for 15 years. What did you say to him? I go, I made him pick up the phone and start dialing. Okay. You made him take that action. That's it. That's all it took. He gave me every excuse, houses this, and all these other things. I'm like, you just need to dial the number to that travel agent. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's amazing. Don't worry about all that other stuff here in a few minutes. Don't worry about that. <laughs> that is incredible. Um, that is an amazing story. And, you know, it's interesting how as a business coach, you, you, you're sort of, like, sort of like a life coach, a marriage therapist, and you're wearing all these different hats, right, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. Life coaching isn't my specialty, but I end up doing a lot of life coaching. <laughs> Because how can you not? Because when, I have to. Yeah. Because when someone owns a business, you know, obviously that intertwines with their life, you know. Exactly. And one of my favorite things is what's your goal in your business? Great. Now what's your goal in your family life? Hmm. Hmm. And they look at me like, why are you getting going there? You're my business. I'm like, because the two have to align. 
Hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to be in sync, and you're going to have conflict with the, within yourself. Wow. That's amazing. And it, it kind of all ties together. And, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. I actually was doing some reading. I think I saw a, a post on LinkedIn that mentioned that there's different types of wealth. Um, there's money wealth that we all are familiar with, right? <laughs> then yeah. there's health wealth. Then there's uh, obviously knowledge wealth. Yeah, time wealth. Yeah, you know. Like time. Yeah. Yes. There's all these wealth. So what is wealth to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the thing is, some people are rich in one area of wealth or one type of wealth, but poor in others. And you have to be doing well in all the different types of wealth. I would. They go, look at all the top CEOs in the country. You pulled up Fortune 100. How many of them have been divorced more than one time? And I was shocked. Like, almost all of them have been divorced at least once. Wow. Only there, like one or two were not. And it was like, holy cow. Because they didn't take care of their home life as well. Wow. I did not know that. I didn't realize it until someone pointed it out to me. But a small business owner, you got to think, you're in a partnership, it's, your house is on the line, your marriage is on the line, everything's on the line. Hmm. It's not a big corporation where, oh, I lost a job, or I lost a wife, and I did another one. Listen, when you're a small business owner, it's a lot more damaging. Hmm. So, you have a partner in here. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Um, definitely, thank you for that uh, incredibly moving story. Uh, a lot to learn from there, that, that story. I love great stories because uh, I grew up um, <laughs> reading Aesop's Fables. You know, it's a storybook with moral, like each story has a moral and something to learn from. And <laughs> so I, I, stories are a great way to teach people uh, certain things. So thank you for sharing it. And it's interesting. Um, I always like to talk to people about the importance of networking uh, and these human relationships. Um, very valuable. Um, you know, we actually met on LinkedIn, uh, a networking platform, right? And um, I'm curious, uh, you know, every business owner wants to get to the point where they mostly rely on uh, or solely rely on referrals and networking can help you with that. And not just for entrepreneurs, but people looking for a job. Um, I, I'm curious, what uh, networking advice do you have for folks? Yeah, my biggest one is have a strategy. A lot of people are just networking to be networking to give them something to do in the day. Have a strategy. So one of my strategies is if I go to a physical networking group, which they're finally starting to open back up, which I'm happy about, I go there with a strategy. I'm going to share some kind of content. I'm going to gain some knowledge. Share content is my first thing. Gain knowledge is my second thing. And make at least one real connection hmm. with someone. And then possibly have a joint venture partnership. I'm not going to go just to Palm Press to hang out and have some cold coffee. Hmm. Go with a purpose. Hmm. I like that. And because I'm doing something similar with LinkedIn where I do... Well, LinkedIn allows you to do targeted networking. And... You know, personally, I'm trying to reach out to B2B professionals, um, although they don't have to be, to get them to be guests on the show. And the, one of the reasons why I started the podcast 
uh, was the primary reason was so I can network and, and build relationships and start relationships by offering value, being the first to do that. And absolutely, Such yeah. a, a great strategy. I don't know, guys started a speed networking group, and it, it just it actually grew his business, but he never even really promoted his. Business. He was just a connector. Mm. And it was amazing. He grew his group up to multiple groups going all the time, and then he had to flip them into social networking groups. He ended up, he had to hire someone to take care of all the groups. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. And he was a connector. Hmm. Yeah. And... I, I, there is value in doing that and being a connector. I'm trying to be a, 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 a budding connector myself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it feels great to be a matchmaker, so to speak. And yes. <laughs> to get that going. So you, so your, your advice is that you have to have a strategy when it comes to networking. Um, it can't be just random, so to speak. Um, it has to be strategic. And I think that's great advice. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm curious, um, what advice uh, would you give to someone who's listening to you and says, you know, I want to do what Steve's doing. I want to be a coach. Um, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, one thing, well, I've been bringing on coaches. So when I bring on a coach, it's kind of like I get on my have partnered with coaches as well. So we get them with three coaches, like an onboarding coach, a, a training coach, and a sales and marketing coach. And we're also providing them with all the tools and resources they're going to need for their business as well as their client's business. So we're actually teaching them the secret sauce of business, if you will. So if they are jumping the cubicle and never coached or consulted or owned or operated a business before, don't worry about it. We're going to give you the tools to do it along with lead generation strategies and everything else. Whereas a lot of people who hop into coaching, they have no lead generation strategies. They're too busy worried about how their website looks and marketing or you know their business card and all that when they should be focusing on getting clients. And mm-hmm. a lot of them just don't know that. And then once you get a client, what kind of tools and resources do you have to really help that client achieve their goals? And I think that's another thing that we separate ourselves. We're giving all those resources to our coaches. So, I mean, I think it's a great industry. If you were servient in nature and help, really want to help people, and of course, you know, you got to get paid to do it. But you really care about people. You want to do the, see them do the best, but you also can learn from them and learn strategies and things to help them. Wow. That's amazing. And you're saying that in order to be an effective coach, you have to do it because you want to help people. It can't, the money yeah. can't be the reason, the top reason. Yeah. If, if that's your top reason, you're going to, yeah, will you get clients and will you burn them and they will have a negative attitude about the whole industry? Yes. And you're going to get paid and you're going to move on to the next person. Mm. That's not the right reason. You're harming everyone. You're going to hurt your damage reputation. I know. I do know a coach like that. All he is is about burn and churn. I distance myself as far away from that individual possible. Uh, good for you. And um, and obviously, because I, I remember uh, 
uh, listening to Oprah Winfrey speak, and she said something to the effect that she does what she does because she loves it, and the money's just a bonus. She just views the right, you know. So there's definitely something to that. You know, money shouldn't be the top reason why someone gets into this field. And you talked to, so my understanding is that you coach coaches, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, been bringing on coaches and showing them all the same skills and strategies and giving them access to all the tools, resources, everything. Everything's kind of branded to them, so it's not telling me. It's, you know, I'm utilizing the resources of all my knowledge, plus coaches from all over the world. I'm tapped into a, a large network. We're all sharing our knowledge and resources. Wow, that's so incredible. Even bigger than that, it's like, so if I don't know something about a certain industry, guess what? I'm going to find out from a somewhat, another coach somewhere in the world. Mm. And I'll get them that knowledge. It's, that's what I love about it. That's amazing. Um, and that you're, you're, you're helping folks around the world, is my understanding. So, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I'm actually speaking to someone in Australia here later today. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. That's excellent. And so I guess uh, that gets to my next question. Um, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's looking for a coach? Now, they can go to you, uh, which I think is an excellent decision, right? But uh, let's say you're busy, you're on vacation, or your hands are full. Um, <laughs> uh, what should they do? Yeah, I actually wrote a book about it to help people answer that question. It's called Why You Need a Business Coach. And one of the things I do address, and it's like, listen, I might, you got to find the right coach that's the right match for you. Because you're not going to click with all the coaches. If you don't click with them, it's not going to work. And it's a story. But you also got to ask the right questions to bring on a coach. You have to realize, are you coachable? That's what you really have to look at first. Are you coachable? Are you willing to listen to someone's different viewpoint, different perspective to help you get in, in your business grow to where you want it to be? Then you've got to start interviewing them. Do those coaches have guarantees, processes, a written writing? Is it gonna, are you going to be locked into what I call a cell phone agreement for two years? Mm. And three months into it, you guys, it's like oil and water. Then what are you going to do? So, I mean, you've got to look at many different things when you're looking for a coach. And if they they got to have some experience and knowledge, obviously, in business. If they have it in your industry, it's even more of a bonus. The way I look at it, it's like, I can work with any business owner in any industry because I focus on the foundational elements of the business. Mm-hmm. I had a client who had a clean room and did wafer chip. I know nothing about wafer chip, but I didn't need to because I understood inventory, process control, inventory in, inventory out, cost of goods sold. When I spoke that language to him, he's like, you, you understand my business. I had no clue what he actually produced. I just know it was wafer chip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, wow! Don't give me. I don't I have no idea of the technical stuff. Mm. But he knew I understood his business. Mm. Wow! So you got to find the right coach for you. That's what I always tell people. I may be it. I may not. If I'm not it, I will do my best to find you a, a, co- a couple other coaches you could talk. Amazing, and I think that's incredible advice. And so, you know, you have to find a coach that you click with, that you trust, because you'll be sharing intimate details with that coach. Um, so, uh, and you mentioned that you don't want to get stuck into a long con- long-term long contract. Uh, and you turn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I mean, folks, we've all been there. Mm. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. Right. The way I look at it is if it's not working out, what I try to do with my clients, like, let's work it out. Usually that does it, just communication. But if we can't, then fine, let's give me 30-day written notice, and we will part as friends. And I, some of my clients said, I've got it, I got it, I don't need you anymore. Six months later, they're calling me back up because we parted as friends. Well, hey, I need you back. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, the way I look at it, it's like, I'm happy when they actually say, I don't need you anymore, I got it. And then uh, I check in with them six months later, and they are utilizing everything we talked about and growing their business. I, that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. But then every now and then I call someone who went back to, basically back to zero. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, they, then they realize. They needed the accountability. They needed someone to give them that outside perspective. They needed someone to give them a little tough love every now and then. They mm. needed that. Wow. So it's weird how that works. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Definitely. And there is something to coaching. I'm definitely going to check out the books you've written. Um, five books going on six pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Um, I'm guessing they're available on Amazon, or yes, Amazon and my hopefully new website, which will be up soon. <laughs> so that's my late Saturday Sunday night task. Has been working with myself on Sundays. <laughs> Beautiful. And here's the thing: I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, obviously, uh, I spoke about this earlier. There's a high failure rate with businesses. Most businesses fail within the first couple of years. I think it's a high percentage. Um, why is that? And how how can entrepreneurs like what should be done to, to kind of turn that around? Yeah, I've discussed this with many coaches, and I have been well before the pandemic. I was teaching a workshop called ABCs to start a business. And I see the same thing. Why the high failure rate? Because business owners only know what they know. They don't know business. So someone jumping from a corporation to build that widget, they just don't know the other aspects of business. They never got to see it. Or an executive of operations never understood what marketing did. So they just don't know all the things that are involved in business. And what's involved could be time, resources, knowledge. They try to they try to skip things over, or hey, I don't want to touch accounting, so I ignore it. And they say, you know, you're getting audited by the IRS mm-hmm. or the state because you haven't paid sales tax. Mm-hmm. They only know what they know, and that's what's causing the high failure rate. They just don't know business. They might know their skills, their craft, their art form. They just don't know how to run a business. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's so true. So you think a lot of the, the failure rate is due to that, um, you know, business owners knowing that one skill but not knowing the other skills, the, those entrepreneurial skills, so to speak. And I've heard that from businesses who are failures. Like, I didn't know how much things I needed to know in my business. Hmm. Amazing. I hear it a lot. It's like, give me one example. Like accounting. I don't know anything about accounting. I didn't know, realize I had to do all these things. Right. Like, you don't. You could have hired someone to do all that. You know that. Yeah. But you didn't know that. So, do you think coaches can turn that around, these high failure rates? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Because we're giving them, 
getting them like, hey, let's focus on the things that are hot right now, and then let's start putting all these other things back into place. So it's mm-hmm. not a, you can't eat the elephant in one bite. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to eating it one bite at a time. Mm. Wonderful. I love that. Um, so uh, obviously you've shared a lot of uh, wisdom with us today, which is incredible. Uh, and thank you for that. I'm, I'm curious, um, uh, in addition to the wisdom you have provided, what other important life lessons have you learned yourself or from others? And this doesn't have to be for entrepreneurs. This is, you know, for everyone. My biggest lesson that I learned is eat that humble pie. Get help. Ask for help. Believe it or not, small business owners are in an island. They think they have that they're all by themselves. The day I asked for help and got a coach, I got a mentor, an advisor. That day is when my life got better. Hmm. That's when everything started going a lot easier. Because now I have someone a confident to talk to about my problems. You can't go home and tell your spouse about your problems. Then they think the world's ending. You can't tell your employees because they think their job's in danger, so they're going to go look for a job. If you have a board, you can't tell them. They think they don't, you're incompetent. The, the person to talk to is a coach, an advisor, a mentor. Mm-hmm. Ask for help. Believe me, there's plenty of us out there more than willing to help. And it's, it's not a self-centered, egotistical thing. It's like we're genuinely here to help. Mm-hmm. Right. And many coaches offer a free consultation for like one hour. Is my understanding? Yes, always. Wonderful. And so it's so important that three-letter word um, ASK. <laughs> uh, yeah. So critical. And you know, you might feel embarrassed, but I, I swear to God, you're, you're not the only one. Believe me, it's the best thing that'll happen in your life, in your business. Yeah. Yeah, you had mentioned this earlier in the conversation how a lot of business owners, they don't look for a coach because maybe they think they're different or they're special, but they don't realize they're just like every other business, I think. And so, um, you know, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Any issue they have, other others have had that issue and maybe even worse. So there's the help is out there, the resources are out there, and people have to avail themselves of, of those resources. Um, I think that's so important. Oh, and uh, Luke, I, I do have to get off here in a couple minutes. So. All right, let me uh, get this going then. Can you go ahead and t- tell us your uh, um, book recommendations that you have for folks? Yeah, one book I always recommend is Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Another one I've been actually hooked on and I've been actually doing with a group is the 12-week year. Mm-hmm. So you cram a, week, a year's worth of stuff in 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. But you definitely need an accountability group for this one. Okay. <laughs> You're not trying to do 100 tasks. You're doing two tasks to grow your business. Focus on those two to three tasks in that 12-week period. Amazing what it'll get done. Wonderful. Thank you for those book recommendations. And you've also written books yourself, which is great. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to check them out. Uh, would you ever start your own uh, podcast? I've thought about it, but I love being a guest, and I just love doing what I do, and I'm just more so passionate about helping business owners in so many ways. But who knows? One day, never say never. It's a great way to network. Um, great. Can you go ahead and describe all the ways people can get in touch with you? Yes. The easiest is my email, which is Steve at bizcoachsteve.com that's b-i-z coachsteve.com 
Same thing on my URL, bizcoachsteve.com. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn, Steve Phelps. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for that. And I guess that sort of concludes our interview. I want to thank you so much. Um, this has been a great, inspiring, educational uh, conversation. I'm sure the audience feels the same way. Everyone have a wonderful and amazing day. Thank you so much, Steve. Yes. Thank you, Luca. I hope everyone has a great day and wish you all the best, best business success. Thank you. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick. Um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me, uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. Uh, app uh, that would be great and if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise that would be amazing uh, thank you so much and I'll see you guys in the next episode take care bye bye